Good morning. Glad you could be with us today as we open up the Word of God together again. And uh, so if you got your Bible, I invite you to have it handy because we're going to uh, open to a few passages as we go through our topic today, which is um, considered by probably most Christians to be one of the easiest things in the world to uh, to understand and find application to. And of course, I'm talking about understanding the will of God. Um, obviously, that's a joke. That's probably, this is probably one of the most difficult things uh, to, to get our minds around, to feel comfortable walking in and talking about. Uh, it, 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 for many, it's, a, it's about one of the most paralyzing uh, things to deal with within the Christian faith, the idea of the will of God. Uh, you know, can I know the will of God? What is the will of God? What about the perfect will and his permissive will? What about, you know, the fact that God is sovereign over everything? Does, does it matter if I know his will? Because it's all going to happen anyway, so why worry about it? All that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the will of God is is so central to the scripture, but yet it is clearly and honestly uh, a very difficult thing to sort of get our minds around. And so uh, in talking about this today, uh, which is like yesterday, it was kind of a springboard from a conversation or has sprung sprung from a conversation we had in our midweek study this week. As we talked about prayer, I mentioned we were in Colossians uh, chapter 1 where Paul uh, doesn't cease praying for the Colossian believers after he had heard about their coming to understand the grace of God and, and, and uh, through Epaphras' teaching and such. And Paul says that among his ceaseless prayers is that they would be filled with the fullness of the knowledge of God's will and all these things. And so these are lofty things to pray. And it's something that Paul prayed for these believers, uh, which leads me to believe that at least on some level, there is a way for that prayer to be answered in the lives of believers. Now, again, having said that, the topic of understanding God's will is a ginormous one. It's not something that uh, is an easy thing to sort of skate through. I was obviously joking at the beginning. Um, but it is something that we would do well to at least build some kind of a, a framework to help us understand how we approach discerning the, the will of God. Um, some things that can be helpful for us to think about or consider or and certainly anchor to when it comes to this pursuit. And also some things maybe that, that can be very dangerous in regard to um, the claims of many to be able to just so easily discern the will of God in, in, uh, in their lives. And so um, can we know the will of God? I think, in, I think we can. I think uh, at least in the general sense and sometimes with some specificity in our lives, God can make that known to us. And certainly I think, at least from my own experience, and I'm sure many of you as well, at times he has made that known. And so I want to speak to that a little bit today. And um, so to start with, if you would, open your Bible with me to Psalm 32, verse 8. And uh, I'm just going to kind of use this as, as a, a place to begin the discussion. Discussing the will of God, you can go to passages throughout Scripture. But I'm just going to kind of draw from a familiar one to me personally. And uh, hopefully it, uh, it will become familiar to you as well. But uh, in, in the midst of this psalm, the psalmist is, is speaking um, in terms of intimacy, drawing close to God, finding, uh, even as he says uh, earlier than the passage we're going to kind of start from, he talks about uh, running uh, to the Lord and hiding in the Lord as a hiding place and such. Um, and in verse 8, he says, uh, speaking of God, this would be God speaking to him, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Um, 
It can be debated whether this is the psalmist speaking to someone else or whether this is God speaking to the psalmist. I tend to think this is certainly because it's indicated throughout Scripture that God's desire is for us to know Him and to walk in His ways. Uh, it, it's not a stretch to, uh, to, to decide that this may very well be God speaking to the psalmist. And so I, I want to take it from that point. But again, under the auspices of knowing that the Scriptures by and large also speak to this topic. But the will of God, again, it can be a very paralyzing thing for many people. So let's start with the idea that God does want you to know his ways, his desires, at least in the general sense. Um, I, I, I would advise that while there's value into thinking about deep questions like the perfect and permissive will of God, those kinds of questions, those, uh, I don't mean to minimize them, but they make for great you know, coffee table discussion and with friends or with uh, other, you know, people that like to think about these things. But they do sort of, those conversations do sort of reside in a place where they're, they're not easily resolved and, and often they're unresolved. And so they can be enjoyable if you enjoy those kinds of discussions. But if you're troubled by those kinds of discussions, if those things tend to unnerve you more than help you, then I would, I would advise at least anchoring on the idea that in general, God has made his will known in many ways in the general sense. And we're going to talk about that as we go through here. For example, if, if, uh, if we want an example of this, think of um, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification, that you, uh, that you put away uh, sexual immorality and instead learn to control your body in holiness and not in unholiness like the, like the unsaved, the Gentiles and such. Um, that's a very specific thing that a very specific statement that speaks to the general will of God in the life of a believer. We should walk in holiness. There's no ambiguity about that. We should walk in holiness. That is part of God's will for our lives. Um, think about, uh, to borrow from Paul again, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Uh, you know, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, these are things that are clearly what God desires for us, and so they are part of his will for us generally. Um, so much of what Jesus, I mean, all of what Jesus said, right? When he talks about um, loving your enemies, treating others like you want to be treated, um, uh, you know, teaching us to pray and giving us insight in, in the, into the fact that we can consider God to be uh, a, like a father, a dear father to us and such. These are things that help us understand the will of God in the general sense. Um, and, and so to, if, if, you're, if we struggle with the idea of the will of God, it can be helpful to at least start there. To know that in Scripture, God has made his will known in the general sense, that we would walk in his ways, that we would be humble before him, that we would seek to honor him with our lives, that we would recognize that we were bought at a price and therefore we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And we therefore want to surrender to that on a, you know, on a daily basis, taking up our cross as it were. And so there's a lot of those kinds of things that can help us understand what it means to walk in the will of God in the general sense. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I, I just want to, um, encourage that because again because this topic is so paralyzing to so many believers um, that they're afraid to move in any direction it is really helpful to understand that in the general sense there is a lot to be said 
for what God's will is for the life of a believer, for his people. Um, now, of course, context is important, right? Um, you know, when we talk about things like, well, the Bible talks about dietary restrictions and things like this, or, or, or honoring the Sabbath day and stuff like this. Well, those are great discussions to have, but we should recognize that those things speak to a covenant made with the Old Testament believers, the Jews. Uh, Gentiles have never been under that covenant, per se, but on the other hand, those things do point to something of God's holiness and that kind of a thing. So they're instructive for us to understand, but unless you're Jewish, some things in the Old Testament, a lot of things in the Old Testament are very specific to the Jewish people. And so, for example, uh, you know, the foods that you eat right now really are not clean and unclean for Gentiles, or if we're going to follow what Paul says in uh, many of his writings, like in Colossians and such, uh, later in the book of Colossians, then we understand that even today those things are not required anymore because those things all were a shadow of things to come, things that pointed to Christ and he was the fulfillment of those things. So when we read the scriptures, context is really important. Uh, context, context, context. One time we'll do a podcast on that subject alone. But again, just kind of bringing it back to our discussion today. Uh, uh, when we read the scriptures, we understand the nature of God much more deeply and therefore we can understand uh, also his will for our lives in the general sense. Um, but what about the specific things? What about my own life personally, beyond the general will of God for my life as a believer, that would be true for all believers. Um, what about specifically in my life? Um, you know, does God speak to me in regard to specific things? Um, you know, should I move to this place? Uh, if a ministry opportunity opens up, should I take that ministry opportunity? Um, a huge one among young people, uh, and not just young people, but especially young people, you know, is, is, is this the one God has given me to marry? Um, I probably will interject here. A book I mentioned that a good friend of mine, uh, my best friend actually recommended it to me years ago, and I, I remember uh, listening through it on audio. Uh, it was by uh, Kevin D. Young. I think if I remember the book is called Just Do Something. Uh, and and it, it helps those who are paralyzed by this question of God's will to understand, in some respects, what we've been talking about, the idea um, of, of recognizing that there is at least a general will of God that helps us make good, wise decisions. There, there is wisdom to be gained as we go through the word of God, as we'll talk about. Um, but, but just avoiding being paralyzed and being willing to, uh, to just trust that God you know, can work in your life uh, even if you don't know specific every specific detail of something that he ultimately is 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 um, is, is calling you to um, Isaiah 55. Let me just interject this passage here as well, uh, where God says, "You know, my ways are higher than your ways; my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are uh, above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and such." And in the context there, he's talking about redemption and speaking of the idea that you know, um, at least in part. You know, in some ways, something might be unredeemable, but God is able to and does these things. And, and even in that, his ways are higher than our ways. But there's a principle underlying that, that God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so to recognize the idea that he is dwelling in a lofty place far above us, both in person, but also in thinking and, 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 and willing in these things, um, uh, we acknowledge that 
and we acknowledge our capacity, our, our need to, to have to delve to understand some of these things. But anyway, coming back around here. So let me, um, let me speak now to the idea of how do we, how do we, A, keep from being paralyzed by this question of the will of God, and how do we walk in safety in this question about the will of God? Um, let me start with something that I never like to assume is obvious. It should be, but I never want to assume it's obvious. And that is that we always, always, always first start with God's word, with his revealed word in the scripture. We always start there. That becomes our grid for determining whether anything is the will of God or not. Um, speaking of the idea of young people and dating, you know, how many times you know, have we... Uh, and again, not just young people, but it tends to be kind of a prevalent thing among teenagers and that when it comes to dating. And there's a girl at school who they really, really like. And I know she's not a believer, but you know, she's a really good person or uh, that kind of a thing. And, and they start dating and they get serious and all this kind of thing. And we rightfully uh, remind them that Paul, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit tells us that we ought not be unequally yoked. Uh, and that's true in lots of you know, in, in, in lots of different contexts, right? But certainly it would be true when it comes to something like dating. We, uh, we ought not uh, date with date somebody who's not a believer or marry somebody who's not a believer uh, if we're a believer uh, because there, you are so different on such different pages on the most fundamental important issue of your life that that's going to become a really difficult road to hoe at some time. And so you want to be really thoughtful about what God has to say. He has spoken to that. And so it becomes a grid as to whether or not you going out with that person is God's will or not. It's not. And you can say that with assurance because God has spoken to that concept of being unequally yoked. So we look to the word for things like this. We come to understand that we go to the word of God to understand and begin to, uh, to, to, uh, to create a grid to help us begin to understand things like the will of God. Um, and so the word is central, it's primary. We go, to the, we go to the word. What about things like circumstances? Does God work through those to help us understand his will? I would suggest yes, he does. Uh, those things can be very subjective though, and you have to recognize that circumstances can be interpreted in lots of different ways. But does that mean that God doesn't lead us through circumstances? No, we can't just go all one way or all the other on that, but we have to recognize that, that sometimes these things can be subject to our desires, our, our personal will to do something, uh, and we can often um, get lost in those things. And so those are not primary ways that we discern the will of God, but we can't also rule them out. God does open doors and close doors, right? Uh, matter of fact, for that kind of a thing, let me invite you to turn to Acts chapter 16 for a moment. In Acts chapter 16, um, Paul is ultimately about to get his call to Macedonia. But here in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6, let me just read a, a few verses here. Uh, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, now that concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel to them came both by the vision, but also 
by whatever means happen to have been used that are not described here uh, when the Holy Spirit forbade them to go to this place or that place, but ultimately was leading them to Macedonia. Um, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, don't go necessarily, although forbade them may imply that. But the idea was that in some way, the Holy Spirit closed the door for them to go to these two other directions. But then he gave a very clear direction about this other direction to go. And so um, God does open doors and shut doors. Uh, and we should recognize that when we come to a closed door, and that's I hate to sound so vague about it, but sometimes it's difficult to know that, um, that, that, that a door is open or closed, but we just take steps and we just trust that God will shut a door as long as we're not pushing too hard in that direction. Sometimes we want something so bad that we want it to be God's will and we push on and we just say, well, this is the will of God. Well, look, if, if there's clearly a closed door, if, 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 uh, if you're praying that this is the job for you or something and you really want it and you think it's God's will and then someone else gets it, well, that's a closed door, right? I mean, you don't try to undermine and get that guy fired so that you can get that job because that's God's will. You know, we want to be careful about that kind of a thing. But we do recognize that when we pray about things, we maybe are moving in a certain direction because we feel like this is wise. It makes sense. There's nothing biblically wrong with doing it. it, it there seems to be a desire in my heart to do it. Maybe God put it there and we begin to move in that way. But then the door closes. We acknowledge that. We recognize that. And then we stop and pray again. And maybe this other door seems to be this, but then God closes that. And then all of a sudden this last direction seems to be open, you go through it, and all of a sudden it just seems to easily come to pass or you find that there's no real opposition to it. And so we do this. Again, there's, there's because God doesn't as a norm speak to us audibly, right? We don't hear God's voice from the heavens opening up in these things. We simply have to walk in wisdom and allow God to open and shut doors to lead us in ways that he wants us to go because we don't hear God's voice like you hear me speaking to you right now. Um, a matter of fact, let me just interject this really quick too um, because some of you might be saying, well, I hear God's voice kind of regularly. Well, I'm not saying that God can't speak to us. I absolutely don't believe that he can't, but I would be cautious and recognize that just because we thought it doesn't mean God said it. Just because we thought it in our minds or in our hearts doesn't mean that God is the one who put that there. We also have a lot of self-determination in our lives and we sometimes can just sort of embrace ideas that we really want to do uh, that may not really be something God is leading us toward. And so we want to be a little careful before we assume that everything that we're, you know, that we think we're hearing from God that much. Now, having said that, we're in the book of Acts. Let's turn to Acts chapter 13 for a minute. In Acts chapter 13, this is an important passage for us to recognize on this question of God, does God speak? Um, in chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, notice what uh, Luke records here in the book of Acts. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. And so, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and, uh, um, and, uh, and so on. Now, here's a clear example of where gathered together with leaders, and in that case there were prophets and teachers and such, uh, they were gathered together and they were praying and they were fasting and they were seeking the Lord and worshiping. 
And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit spoke. Now, recognize something about this passage. A, yes, God spoke. The Holy Spirit spoke to them. But the Holy Spirit spoke to them, okay? Somehow they all understood what the Holy Spirit was asking of them to separate unto, unto him uh, Paul and Barnabas for the work that he had ultimately called them to. Uh, or Barnabas and Saul, as the passage reads, but you know, Paul and Barnabas. Well, the Holy Spirit spoke in that midst of that context and they all knew it and confirmed it. And they laid hands on them and sent them and they were sent by the Holy Spirit. So um, it wasn't that the Holy Spirit just spoke to the one person necessarily, but he spoke to them as a group. And there was a way to verify that in fact the Holy Spirit had spoken. When it comes to the will of God being revealed, um, we always, always, always want to be careful that we don't assume God is saying something that he isn't. But we also don't want to neglect to move when we feel God has, in fact, directed us specifically in our lives. Again, this is a difficult one, which is why it's so paralyzing. But we do trust that God is able to protect his children when we make mistakes. When we, if we go in a direction, it turns out we were wrong. God can correct that. There, you know, he can correct those things. But better, better to seek him and pray and be sure that the word isn't somehow saying that you shouldn't do something and then take a step of faith and see if God's in it than to never do anything because I'm afraid that I might be outside the will of God. Now, I don't mean that to sound dangerous. and I don't mean to sound flippant about it. Uh, if you look at my life, I'm not somebody who goes flying off in different directions because God said, do this, do that. On the other hand, and maybe this is instructive and helpful to share a couple of examples uh, in, in my own life uh, that kind of undergirds why I'm explaining things the way I am. Um, you know, we're from Illinois, we're outside of Chicago, and um, we, had, um, um, we had felt God calling us to move to Tennessee, uh, into the Nashville area, and then even specifically Franklin. And so uh, we began to pray about it. We began to invite friends to pray about it with us. Uh, we really sought the will of God and we were not anxious to move because we loved our church family. We were serving in ministry very heavily. Uh, it was a big deal to leave that behind and so we wanted to be sure. Well, God did work out some circumstances. One in particular was a very specific prayer. Uh, uh, I used to not do the radio ministry, but I used to do the technical side of the radio ministry. Our pastor's messages were, were aired on, and continue to be aired. But I would do the, the technical stuff behind the scenes for that. And I was also the worship leader in our church. And so, uh, and so I prayed like, Lord, if you're really calling us to go, then those two ministries have to be filled. I can't just walk away from them. That wouldn't be responsible and all that kind of a thing. And so we left that to prayer. Well, one day I get a phone call from Pastor Phil. And it turns out there's a, a young guy who is moving from the west, uh, out west, moving out here to Illinois, coming to the church, and he wants to get plugged into the ministry, and he's a worship leader, and he knows all this technical stuff with the radio. Now, Phil didn't even, I can't recall at that point if I'd even told him that we were praying about this or not, but that came, and I have to admit, I really took pause at that moment. I thought, wow, you, you literally brought a person to replace me in both of these areas. Well, that was a very specific thing, right? God clearly was that was, it was easy to see that as God opening the door. And a lot of those kinds of things began to happen. And we began to see very clearly that God was in fact moving us 
down to Tennessee. And it became important to us as a side note to jot those things down and keep a record of them because when we got where we were going, it became very difficult for the first few years. And we began to, you know, if not for all of those things that God had done specifically to lead us, we probably would have packed up and gone back home thinking that this was a mistake. But God had been very clear in answering those things to bring us there. Uh, even prior to that, different story, even prior to that, um, uh, very early on as a believer, um, I, I, I had really um, felt that God may call me to teach one day. And the reason for this is because I, was, I saw my pastor teaching, and it wasn't so much that it was, he was standing up in front of people. Well, that wasn't the thing. But it was the impact that teaching the Word of God had on people. And something about that just really resonated within me. And I, I just, I, I didn't know how to ask God about that. I was very young in my faith. I, I knew how to pray, kind of, you know. But, um, but I didn't really know what to do with that. So I just went and told him. And I said, hey, uh, Pastor Phil, I feel like God may be calling me to teach one day. Now, very, very wisely, he did not give me the pulpit the next Sunday. He did not ask me to go start a Bible study. Instead, what he did was he said, well, why don't you just start plugging into ministries and find out where you can serve? Learn how to be a servant and let's see where God, you know, leads you. And so I did. And over time, I learned what it meant to serve people and to, uh, to wash feet, as it were, and that kind of a thing. And then eventually an opportunity came up to teach. And so um, it, it just, uh, you know, over time, God began to just make those things open to me. But he planted something in my heart that made me start to think about it and begin to pray about it and begin to pursue it. And then he began to open doors to make that come to pass. His will in my life was to do that. And he kind of put that in me and then led me to that place of doing it. And so um, do I believe that God can lead us specifically? Yes, absolutely I do. Sure I do. Do I think we want to be a little careful about claiming that we know the will of God in everything? Absolutely. Yes, I do. And that's why I always say we go to the word first is our grid. We pray about it. We, we examine the circumstances as God opens doors and shuts doors. Um, and, and we always, always, always approach this with attentiveness, knowing that we could be mistaken. And oftentimes, we don't know that the will of God, we don't, we don't realize this was the will of God until after fruit is born from it. And that's an important thing. We could have made a mistake about moving to Tennessee. I could have been wrong about teaching. Any number of decisions in our lives could be mistaken um, because we were just maybe had a little too much self involved in making that choice. But uh, we hopefully come to recognize after too long that if we're in the wrong direction, we can begin to recognize that and kind of come before the Lord and apologize if it was pride that kind of led us there or maybe we just weren't, uh, we just wanted something too bad that we didn't listen to him. Um, but on the other hand, it may very well be that fruit becomes born of that, where all of a sudden you start to realize that, wow, you know what, God really did call me to that. As a matter of fact, there are times when you don't even realize that God's will is unfolding in your life until you find yourself in the midst of it. It's kind of an exciting thing. It can be a paralyzing thing, as we've said many times along the way. It ought not be, though, because there's enough general understanding of the will of God to walk as a believer, to simply walk in wisdom and to walk in his ways as he's prescribed in Scripture. When it comes to the specific will of God, um, you know, I, I, I can't say that God doesn't specifically speak to people and tell them things from time to time. But even in the Scripture, that wasn't the norm. You know, Paul didn't hear from Jesus from heaven every day and just, okay, now, Paul, go to this place and that place. Paul was accustomed to just going where it seemed like God wanted to work. And then, as we saw in the passage in, in Acts, the Holy Spirit would redirect him. 
So let me encourage you to take steps of faith, not to be goofy and, and, and God forbid that you just go do something because you want it so bad. Seek the Lord and think that and, 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 and examine that circumstance and see if maybe that isn't a place God may want to work. One last example I'll share on this, um, which, uh, and I, I hadn't thought about this until really, like literally just this moment, but um, Jonathan in the Old Testament, David's good friend, um, before he and David are close friends, Jonathan and his armor bearer come up to a, a city where the, the Philistines have got a stronghold, and it's just the two of them. And they, uh, and they, they, they wonder if this is the will of God. And so they sort of throw out a fleece. Now, I'm not encouraging throwing out a fleece. This idea of a fleece comes from Gideon. You can read his account and, and such. But, but they basically kind of throw out a fleece. Uh, and they say, uh, if I remember the order correctly, they, they say, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, hey, you know what? If we get there and they say, uh, hey, come on up here. We'll know that, that God's in it. We'll go. But if they say, hey, stay down there. We're coming to get you. Then we'll know God's not in it and we'll leave. And they just leave it there. And the armor bearer says, the nameless armor bearer, who is obviously a man of faith as well, says, Jonathan, it's just the two of them taking on the Philistines. He says, Jonathan, do all that's in your heart. I'm with you, you know, kind of a thing. And so, so Jonathan calls up. He says, hey. And they look down at him and say, oh, why don't you come on up here? We'll show you a thing or two. Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and is stoked. And they go, and God gives them a tremendous victory. Well, now that circumstance was insane. Who would ever do that? But Jonathan did. And it's, of course, a testimony to his and his armor bearer's bravery. But it's also the fact that he was willing to go somewhere that God was in, even though most of us probably would never have imagined God was in something like that. So I throw that out there as an example. And let me close with this thought. Again, this subject could go on for and on and on and on and on. But frankly, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. So I want to make sure that I don't, I don't go on too far on this. But I just want to give some some fodder for thought, some ideas here to consider as you wrestle with this idea of the will of God. Um, growing in our ability to walk in the will of God is a lifetime adventure that teaches us many things. Uh, it teaches us humility to recognize that we are capable of, of experiencing the joys of, of, of discovering God's will and seeing the fruit of that, that he does through us. Or there's also the fact that we can learn that we're capable of making mistakes and wrong turns. And we need to make sure that we can acknowledge that and not be so proud that we always find ways to justify our actions when God may not have been in them. We learn humility in a very real way when we pursue the will of God. Uh, we also learn proximity when we seek the will of God, and that is closeness to him. Uh, as, uh, you know, uh, as we read in the passage we started with from, uh, from uh, the Psalms, you know, God's desires to instruct us, but learning to follow in God's ways involves drawing close to him, you know, spending time with him every day, learning the word of God so that it becomes such a part of us that our thinking is transformed uh, by, by knowing God's word and therefore knowing more about at least again his general will, his nature, his character, the, the things that God does, we become so familiar with them that it helps us begin to walk in his ways just naturally more and more. We call this again sanctification, a word I used earlier from Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. Um, we learn humility, we learn proximity, we learn to draw close to him and we learn to recognize that he is the Lord and his thoughts are higher than ours, his ways are loftier than our ways and such. And so while he wants us to know his will, 
we want to come near to him and, and avail ourselves that he might make it known. That we might ultimately, uh, I guess I can draw right back to that passage in Colossians. The passage doesn't simply end with Paul's prayer for them, but his prayer for them leads them ultimately as the passage goes on to therefore go in and live out the will of God uh, as they come to know it. And so our desire is that our lives would simply be uh, a beautiful extension of God's will being worked out in the world around us. And that is why we seek his will. So I hope that in some way this was helpful. Feel free to ask questions or to comment and that kind of a thing. Uh, in our, in the, if you're watching on YouTube, you can comment there. I have to. I, I'm not sure what's going on with our Facebook thing. I cannot seem to access it. So there's like 30 something comments on there that I can't even see. So I apologize if you think I've been blowing you off. I haven't been. But um, but I would suggest maybe commenting either on our YouTube channel. Uh, or if you want to go to my blog personally at uh, parsonspad.com, you can comment there. Uh, you can also email uh, from both our uh, our website at calvarychapelfranklin.com and also from parsonspad.com. And uh, this is a tough topic, and, and you may have questions about that. And I don't claim to be the last word on this. Um, all of us are growing in our understanding of this. Um, but, you know, it is a pursuit worth 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 entering into. And so my prayer is that you would. And that in following in his ways and walking in his leading and guiding, that your life would in fact be an expression of God's will being worked out here on the earth. So let me pray for that. Father, we come before you humbled at the the grandness of this topic. We recognize that this is such uh, a a difficult thing for us to get our minds around. Um, we, We don't dare presume that our thoughts are your thoughts. But on the other hand, at the same time, you invite us to, to seek you and to, uh, and to desire to know your will, both generally and also for our lives. Uh, I can't imagine why Paul would have prayed that if, if not for the hope that it would be answered. And so we just pray that, Lord, you would answer that prayer in our day and our lives as well, that we would know your will, uh, your will and your ways, and that we would walk in them ultimately, letting our lives just be a a means through which you can accomplish your purposes here on earth. You could certainly do all the things you want to do through the angels and never, uh, you know, and and that would just work out perfectly. Um, But at the same time, you've, you've called us. So help us to avail ourselves to you. Help us to walk in your ways and help us to seek you with real desire to know you and your will. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you and praise you and ask you to help us Uh, as we wrestle with this topic, help us to grow more and more comfortable uh, with walking with you every day. And help us not to be afraid, not to be paralyzed by this question, but to simply walk with Jesus as best as we can according to your word. Thank you, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.